0: This is the Ruminant Podcast. I'm Jordan Marr. The Ruminant is a website dedicated to sharing good ideas for farmers and gardeners. On the website, you'll find my podcast, The Odd Essay, book reviews, tool reviews, and user-submitted photos of their own farming and gardening practices. It's all at ruminantpod.com. I hope you'll check it out. All right, let's do a podcast. All right, everybody. This episode features my conversation with a friend, colleague, and a bit of a mentor of mine. And I'll let her introduce herself.
1: My name is Heather Stretch, and I am a certified organic farmer on Vancouver Island, uh, near uh, sell into the Victoria area. I've been farming for, I'm going into my 14th season, and uh, I sell my produce through a company that I co own called Sandwich Organics, and I am also the co-author of a book called All the Dirt, Reflections on Organic Farming.
0: In this conversation, Heather tells me about how she got into farming and we discuss some of the considerations that go into starting your own farm, some of the regrets she, regrets she had or things she would do over. And we also talk about farming apprenticeships. Heather has hosted apprenticeships and she's also had farm hands. And so we talk a little bit about the difference she sees between the two, some of the considerations that go into applying for and finding a good apprenticeship, and also things that she thinks all of us farm hosts should be considering before we host an apprentice. I think this is going to be a good conversation for those aspiring farmers out there, but also those farmers who host farm labor or host apprenticeships and and uh, are interested in hearing... Someone like Heather's perspective on on some of the things to consider to, to ensure a good apprenticeship. So that's all I need to say. Let's get going on the episode. Here's my conversation with Heather Stretch. Heather Stretch, thanks a lot for coming on the Ruminant Podcast. Thank you. Heather, I've been really excited to talk to you today because, well, I guess I first met you in around 2007 when I did an apprenticeship at a farm near yours on Vancouver Island and I got to know you a little bit over the two years I was on the island, and I have to say I came to respect you a lot in terms of your, your farming practices and business practices. And so, and I also learned that you have a lot to to teach uh, other farmers and young farmers. And I'm I'm hoping we can uh, we can ask you to share a little bit today. So sure. for I guess I guess to start, Heather, maybe you could just tell me a little bit about you know how and how and why you came into being a farmer and primarily a berry and veggie producer.
1: Uh, I I came in, my my entry into farming was, I think, (laughs) perhaps entirely unique. I've never heard anyone who has exactly the same story as me. I was uh, living in Edmonton, Alberta, where I grew up. I had uh, gone to university, done an English degree, had done some other jobs and I got a phone call out of the blue from my uh, aunt and uncle who live on who lived well at that time they lived in the interior actually near where you are now but they owned this property on Vancouver Island they called me out of the blue said hey heather you're done university uh, you know you've been traveling uh what's next for you so I don't know and they said uh, do you want to be a farmer and I said kind of jokingly I said, yeah sure you know what are you talking about and they reminded me that they owned this property on Vancouver Island. At the time, hay was just being cut off at once a year. They, uh, they, they dreamed of retiring out here and it, having a little, you know, hobby farm growing some cut flowers and whatnot. But the property is 20 acres, and they knew they didn't, uh, didn't want or need 20 acres for a, a retirement hobby. So they wanted to see someone in the family growing, uh, you know, farming the land productively. And I was the the one in the family who was known as the outdoorsy one who who wasn't already established in a career but was old enough to, to start. And um, so although the idea came, like, really out of left field, it was not something I had considered. I was at that stage of my life where I was thinking, gosh, what, what am I going to do? And I had that – now, this part's not unique to me at all. I had that list in my head – as so many of us do in our in our you know 20s and you know throughout our, our young lives, thinking, what am I going to do? I have all these criteria. I want to work. I want to work outside. I want work that is both mentally and physically challenging. I want work that is diverse. Uh, that include you know isn't going to get me bored. I want work that's physically healthy. I want work that is um, – and then, you know, then there's the big one. Then there's the the, the idealist in in my 20-year-old me saying I want work that's going to be of net benefit to the world, right? I, I, uh, I want to be able to sleep at night thinking that I've at least not damaged the the earth or, or my community or other people, uh, you know, uh, to get a paycheck. So – as soon as I started thinking, I thought, "Holy cow! It, this might be it. I might, I might be an organic farmer." And uh, so, so yeah, I put the I put the offer on hold for a year or two while I did a couple other things that I had sort of had already planned to do, and then and then here we are, and and it's it's worked out pretty much like that.
0: So what? Now you outlined this in the. So you you were. It, it seems like you were responsible when you divided up the uh, the different sections in the book. Uh, you were responsible for kind of the first section, which talked about that early stage of getting into farming and some considerations. It mm-hmm. it sounds Heather like you know unlike myself and many other young people who like you were getting in with very with no experience in farming but unlike you I as I understand it you just you kind of with your husband jumped right in right like you didn't do any apprenticeships or anything before you got going
1: that that's correct and that is the one thing that when you know when people say what would you do differently that is the one thing I would do differently at the time I was so um so ignorant, really, that I didn't really, it never occurred to me that that would be a possibility. I didn't know that farm apprenticeships existed. Um, so I moved here. I read a lot of books. I, um, oh, I signed up, this was really important. I signed up for a course at the local community college called Organic Farming as a Business. Uh, it's an evening evening course for several weeks. Through that, I made some, I, I learned a lot, and I also made some contacts. And And then, uh, my husband actually did apprentice one day a week with uh, Tina Baines, who who continues to be a friend friend and mentor to us. Um, and that one day a week was absolutely invaluable. Uh, Lamont would go off to Tina's on Wednesdays and come home and say, you know, oh, Tina just seeded her tomatoes. And I'd say, well, we better seed our tomatoes. And then he'd come home and say, Tina, today we were transplanting our cucumbers. Holy cow, I better transplant my cucumbers. And, and uh, um but but when i look back at that that year uh that that first couple years it was i was really well we we were really overwhelmed um we did okay but it was uh when i was talking with robin and rachel my my business partners and and co-authors of the book their memories of their first years um include a lot of uh a lot of hard work some some feelings of being overwhelmed but also a lot of like real excitement and joy and and, and feelings of possibility and, and and being inspired. And I don't honestly remember a lot of feelings like that. I remember more feelings of panic and desperation and being overwhelmed and feeling like an an idiot. And so I think, um, I think that doing a full season, you know, ideally a full season on farm apprenticeship at the kind of farm that a new farmer thinks they might want to emulate, I think that's just absolutely invaluable. I think that, you know, if you're an apprenticeship, you're going to, I think my own farm would have started out uh, financially, you know, three or four years ahead of of where where it did start out. Like I think if I could have just apprenticed for a year, my own farm later on would have started making money sooner. I think I would have made made my mistakes on, on somebody else's dime while I was apprenticing rather, rather than doing it on my own dime, starting my own farm. So that's, that's the one thing. Looking back, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I knew enough to know that I didn't know enough to start. But, you know, that being said, it, it, it did work out. Uh, it continues to work out, and, um, and uh, you know, I, I, don't, I sure don't regret getting into it
0: so it's it sounds like though that uh, you think the often low financial compensation that comes with many farming apprenticeships is probably worth the money saved later on in in the mistakes you avoid and that sort of thing if you start your own business.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think I mean, I think an apprenticeship should be entered into um, with a lot of you know consideration and definitely communication with the farmer. Um, since, since most apprenticeships are relatively, uh, informal, I think, you know, the communication with the, with the mentor farmer is absolutely essential. You need to know the, the farmer, the mentor needs to know what you expect out of the experience. And so therefore, the, you know, the young farmer needs to know him or herself, what, what they want to get out of the experience, right? Like if they just come in sort of vague, Oh, yeah, I think I want to apprentice on a farm, and the farmer and the farmer may be kind of vague on, on what they're planning to teach. so I, I can see how in some circumstances, it could end up feeling like um, the mentor farmer is just I- exploiting cheap labor if, if, if that's and I think that, that is a that is a, a risk for sure, but in a but in a good situation, and I think in most situations um the 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 apprentice can end up getting an education that is you know the value of of many many years in 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 an institution um you know either for free or or maybe even getting paid to do it you know so i think that just Directly on a financial basis, even if the even if the stipend that the that the apprentice gets is low or non existent, it still could be absolutely hugely financially financially beneficial to get that, that education for free. Now that being said, you know, I, I do have to reiterate that the communication between the mentor and the apprentice is super duper important.
0: Yeah, I would agree and actually I was going to bring up this topic a little later in the conversation but since we've kind of found our we found our way to it I think we can we can stay on this for a bit and then I'll come back to uh to your your farm and your book. But um mm-hmm. I did want to I mean I first of all I have to agree with you that I think not all apprenticeships are made equal, and I say that as someone who mm-hmm. did two apprenticeships and is, and is now hosted uh, for two seasons, uh, hosted apprentices. But I think that due diligence is really required on the part of the aspiring apprentice to make sure they find a farm that works and not just assume that any farm is going to teach them what they want to know. And I, I think they really need to ask really the hard questions of their potential hosts. Um, you know, if, if there isn't going to be financial compensation, how, how will they be compensated? Is there truly going to be a focus on education and that sort of thing?
1: Absolutely, and and um, that the the unfortunate thing is, you know, when we talk about due diligence on the on the part of apprentices, some apprentices aren't in a position yet in their own you know professional development where they might not know what due diligence is. They might not know what that looks like, right? Um, they they might not know what questions to ask and and they might not sadly be listening to this podcast <laughs> I, hope, I hope they all are
0: well but, what 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 questions so it, it
1: absolutely what 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 absolutely makes me cringe and makes makes my skin crawl is being on the other side of the of the table and, and sometimes being with other established farmers who who take on apprentices and i've heard some farmers use you know talk about apprentices like I I take on apprentices because I can't afford to pay farmhands. and I just like ay ay ay. That's that should not be the equation. Yeah, I, I don't think. I think I think now as an established farmer, and here's sort of my 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 two pronged approach. Um, when whenever I talk to anyone who like potential apprentices, I tr- I try to do a bit of education there about about what kinds of questions they should be asking of their mentor farmers, and um. <clears throat> Uh, and one of those one of those I think real key questions, I think any apprentice should ask their their potential mentor uh, for references. I think that um, the farmer should check check references on the on the potential apprentice, but the potential apprentice also really should speak to former apprentices and find out what their experience was uh, they can also even if even if it's even if all those reference is super positive and it's the best mentor farmer in the world. I think, you know, the potential apprentice can learn some tips on, on that farmer's communication style and that, you know, just how things work on the farm and and what to expect. Um, And then when I'm talking to established farmers, I mean, I think it's absolutely crucial that as a community of farmers, I mean, we are going to absolutely shoot ourselves in the foot um, if we, if we don't treat apprentices well collectively. And, and, and for me, the decision like i have both hourly paid farmhands and apprentices on the farm and i have had some years where where it was only uh, hourly paid farmhands and to me it's it's a, it's not it's not just a fin- it's not primarily a financial consideration oh i want more apprentices cuz then i'll save money it's to me it's a different it's a different role being being a boss of a farmhand and being a mentor to an apprentice are two different roles. I get I get benefits from from both, and I and I enjoy both for different reasons. But I but I think it's really important that farmers not conflate those two. That we not think an apprentice is a is a cheap worker that I also have to feed and give a room to. That it's that. Yeah, and
0: and that's okay because their learning comes from learning by doing, which which is great, and and therefore I don't have to be concerned that that. Uh, that basically I'm just sending them out every day to to do the same work that laborers would. And yeah, that's what I was, I was going to say probably another important question beyond asking for references is to, I think all potential apprentices should be asking their potential hosts. How, how do you, what is the, like, what difference do you see? How do you treat a laborer and an apprentice different? What is the difference in your eyes? I think that's a really important question to ask.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question.
0: Yeah, but yeah, what brought this about? I mean, I, I had intended to ask you about this because in your book you talked about this or that year where you just looked ahead and thought, you know, I'm not going to have enough time to focus on the apprentices' education this year, and therefore I'm not hosting apprentices. It's all going to be paid labor, um, yeah. which 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 kind of uh, made it clear that you you do see a big difference. So so mm-hmm. when you do take on apprentices. How, how do you treat them? How is their experience treated differently? Assume that, that an apprentice and a laborer are both going to work. I, I'm just going to throw it a number, 35 hours a week. How, how are those 35 hours different?
1: Yeah. Um, a, a lot of those 35 hours, they will be working side by side. Um, the, but some of the differences are uh, I have a weekly farm meeting with apprentices. Um, at that farm meeting, we – we the one of the big differences is sort of my, my frame of mind. I really encourage apprentices to think of um, our farm. I, I, I encourage them not to think of, of it as, you know, Heather's farm that they're working on, but I encourage them to think of it as our farm so that the weekly farm meeting, together in collaboration, we, we, we discuss what happened the week before. We, we together come up with the to-do list for the coming week, um, and then, on, on a very pragmatic level, when it comes to dividing up, okay, who's going to do what, apprentices more or less get first, first choice. Um, if there's some, some sort of smaller, more diverse tasks that are, um, th- th- those, the apprentices choose those first. I also encourage apprentices to try things they haven't done, which is quite the opposite of farmhands, where I'll encourage them to, you know, if I've got one farmhand, who is uh, oh I don't know really really good at
0: harvesting greens seeding they yeah.
1: you know they've yeah they've always got the the, the spacing just right and in, indirect seeding the greens I'm gonna want that farmhand direct seeding greens all the time um, but if I've got an apprentice who's never worked on irrigation before. Rather than thinking to myself, of course, on that particular morning, the the business person in me is going to say, oh, my God, that apprentice has never done this before. It's going to take her four times as long as it would take, you know, my third-year farmhand who's done it a hundred times. But I'm going to say to the apprentice, okay, this morning's irrigation morning. morning um, I'm going to get you started. I know it's going to take you a long time. I'm going to be right over here. Uh, you know, I can do it with you or you can do it on your own if you're more comfortable um, yeah I'm just I'm just going to be more patient um with apprentices making sure that they have been trained on you know to the best of my ability every different job everything and task the business, on the farm. Yeah. yeah and and then the other the other significant difference is you know not only do that do I show them the the financial the, the books all the all the record keeping all the fin, you know everything from the records of planting information and harvesting information to the financial records we actually now keep those all on on Google Docs, and and those are actually shared with them. And those are those are shared with them. Like I consider the 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 relationship an ongoing relationship, so they are privy to all my all my record keeping information always. Uh, the whole history of it. The, you know they can email me five years from now and say, Hey, could I uh you know can I look at such and such? And they're they're shared on all the Google Docs. They can they can see whatever they want whenever they want.
0: Oh, that's really and that's really ask smart. And
1: questions about them. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, um. So Heather, do you think? And I, I'll I'll just ask you to talk about the context in British Columbia. Do you have any concerns about the apprenticeship? The, the you know it's a it's we have an you know we have well there's an organization based in BC that that does help uh, connect would be apprentices with farm hosts. It's called Stewards of Irreplaceable Lands, and it also it, I mean it operates in many provinces across Canada. Uh, but in BC, it's it's fairly prominent. There's there's probably about sixty farms or at least fifty farms in BC that take part. Do you think we have? Do you think we have some problems like in terms of how apprenticeships are being structured on farms? Do you think that the majority of farms approach it like you do, or do you think there are do you think there are too many farms that are treating it more like a cheap source of labor?
1: I I really don't know how to answer that. I I I, I haven't talked to enough apprentices um to know i i, I guess i um i know i know that there are some problems or i uh, i should say i'm i'm guessing there are some problems i haven't heard a great groundswell of of <laughs> discontented uh apprentices or former apprentices mostly the the apprentices in my circle who who uh, you know apprentice on farms near here are are really seem to me to be really very happy and very engaged. We do. Uh, oh, that's another thing we do around here is um, once a month. There's workshop. There's a, a apprentice workshop days where uh, all the apprentices from the farms in the area are invited to come to one farm and there's usually there's a workshop on a particular topic for half the day and then a work party uh, on that farm. For the other half of the day and a, and a potluck lunch. And so there's, there's sort of a community of apprentices around here who, who meet at least once a month and often at other, you know, social things and markets and whatnot. Um, and that's, and that's a, a more formal, once a month, formal learning day. Um, and my experience in those is, is it's usually, you know, a table full of pretty happy, satisfied, engaged people. So in our immediate community around here, I, I don't think there's any big big crisis of, uh, of uh, abused and, and neglected apprentices you know that being said of course it's not it's not some kind of utopia I'm sure that 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 these are are, are open issues um, so on the I don't know I think on the most for the most part it's from my very very narrow perspective here I think it's mostly working that being said I'm, I'm both concerned on the ones on the one hand that that apprentices that that, that that be the case everywhere that apprentices aren't, uh, used as cheap labor. But on the other hand, I fear, but part of the reason that I think that's crucially important is that I fear if, if apprentices aren't treated well, that, um, a system that is really, really valuable and for the most part works really, really well could become threatened. Um, if, you know, if, if, if former apprentices uh were ever to start, you know, suing uh their host farms and say, you know, I'm I'm owed I'm owed wages for work that I did or if um
0: Well, that, that oh, that's that's it, I it, guess it, that's it, the primary concern. I mean, we had that one instance yeah. of that last year on on Vancouver Island.
1: Yeah and and that was a, that was a bizarre situation that that it's it that is one that sounds like there were two sides of that story that were so far apart that i can't even begin to guess where the
0: where 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 the, the, the truth, where the, where the 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 truth could was. be found yeah yeah
1: yeah um and 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 then my other concern is that people that that there may be a movement to sort of start start a solution that may be may make may destroy a really good system like if like if a bureaucratic or like a more sort of Institutional solution, like I've heard it battered around. Oh well, we should we should improve apprenticeships around here by doing some kind of like formal partnering with a with a educational institution, so that there's more formalized, you know, curriculum-based learning to make sure that all apprentices are getting, you know, getting a, a truly quality education out of this. And that may have some merit, but um, I'm really concerned, and I've heard this concern from 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 apprentices. I've heard this loud and clear that that if Apprenticeships end up being linked to uh, universities or colleges or whatever that they're going to have to pay. Like what? What now? They might get a, a monthly stipend for. Um, all of a sudden, they would have to. It would be a four-year program or whatever, or a one-year program or a four-month program or whatever that may cost thousands of dollars, rather than one that that is that is informal and they could get paid for. So, I just I, I really hope that whatever. I, I worry about babies and, and bath water. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> so So we just we I, I all just, we all, all I, I want us all to just be careful and respectful and communicate well. Keep, you know, yeah, and, I, and, and keep something going that for the most part I think works really, really well.
0: Cool. Well, thanks. I'm glad to have gotten your thoughts on that. Let's uh, let's bring it back to your farm and the early years, and let's talk about some of the mistakes that you've identified. You made that you would you would uh, you would change. So, um, first of all, you and your husband Lamont, uh, how much land did you decide to to start with in terms of production?
1: Oh man, um, the whole property is 20 acres. I I want to say in that first year we plowed up probably about I don't know. Five or something and we probably ended up planting like maybe one I'm, 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 these numbers are kind of I'm pulling them out of, out of my hat I can't remember exactly but but the, but the moral of the story was we plowed up way more than we should have um I had no idea I had no idea how much work it takes to maintain a very small amount of of land once it's turned um and at the time, our equipment was uh, you know a rototiller, wheelbarrows, hose, um, and so we didn't. Um, and you know, land once it's been turned, if you don't get cover crops planted, if you don't get anything planted in it, of course, weeds move in, um, and that's a bit disheartening.
0: Well, that's what's funny. So, what's funny, Heather, is that when I was when Vanessa and I were applying for our first apprenticeship, we almost we pretty much in looking at the farms um, that were advertising, we ruled out. Pretty much any farms. Keeping in mind, we came from a non-farming background, and so we had really kind of uh, old-fashioned ideas about what a farm looked like. So we ruled out any farms mm-hmm. that that were like one and two and three-acre market gardens. We didn't want to, you know, we wanted to, be, and and because we had this idea that that couldn't be a real farm. And
1: I know. Well, you know what I do I thought so. So this this whole property, as I say, twenty acres. But I grew up in Alberta, where farms are thousands of acres. So I thought to myself, I'm going to move out there. And I thought, is it even possible to make a living on 20 acres? And I said to myself, well, that's okay. You can farm the 20 acres. And then if you need to, you'll get a part-time job on top of that. And I was just thinking me, myself, like me, myself would farm 20 acres by myself and get a part-time job on the side, you know, which is absolutely laughable considering the scale of farming that I, that I do now.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's the same for us. I mean now we're 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 gardening on about one and a half to two acres. Um, But -hmm. anyway, there was a quote. You have a quote in your book. uh, This is almost a quote. It's but I'm going to have to call it a paraphrase. Um, We started our farming career feeling as though we were out of control, and it took five years for that feeling to abate. And you attribute a lot of that just because you started out with too much land, and um, it just overwhelmed you in the early going. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And. and and I could have uh, lots of things I could have done differently if for some reason I had wanted to turn that much land I should have just I should have just hired someone with a tractor to 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 plant uh to plant cover crops you know twice spring and fall um have someone with a tractor come in and you know cover crop whatever areas I wasn't doing in vegetables for that that season rather than thinking Oh, I'll do it with my rototiller and then broadcast the seed and rake it in. Like, just hire the tractor, Heather. You know, and or 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 turn way less ground to begin with and start way smaller.
0: Well, yeah, it's always easier to yeah, to to succeed and expand in the next year. You know.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you're right. It's it's easier to expand than to shrink. And I'm still finding that. You know, like I um, it's it's hard not it's hard not to grow. Like every, uh, my, my, my partner, uh, my business partner, Robin, used to lease a little bit of land for me here uh, for, for a few years. And she's recently moved to a larger chunk of land. So she doesn't, she doesn't lease any here from me anymore. So I had this, you know, three quarters of an acre all of a sudden of turned, irrigated, good to go ground available to grow in. And it's so hard for me to be like heather just put it in a cover crop unless you're planning on hiring more labor there you don't have more hours in the day so but it's it absolutely kills like when i'm doing my crop planning i'm like ooh, but i've got that extra quarter acre over there i could i could just put in some whatever and it's so hard to remember that it's not just put in some whatever that that every every square foot is is
0: is minutes in your week, you know? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So, so one thing you did was, oh, now I guess what I want to talk about is, so, so one, one thing you might do over is just start with on less land, actually growing. What about in terms of like, I won't ask you to comment in terms of what, what you did wrong, but in terms of initial investment, and I realize this is a hard topic because every farming context is different, but what do you think, could we try and get a ballpark of what you think, you know, a new farmer should spend in their first year. So let's, let me set some, some kind of context. Like, let's say it's just, it's a mm-hmm. lease. So you're not factoring mm-hmm. in farm land costs. Okay. Uh, right. you're on some lease land, you're starting out and you don't really have anything. And there's not a lot that's being offered from the, from the farm. I mean, what, what kind of money do you think uh, needs to be spent in a first year to get ready for production?
1: Oh, if you were, st- I don't know if you were starting on an acre, a uh, vehicle is another big one. Um, if, if, if you're only starting on maybe an acre or so, if if you happen to have like a, a station wagon, maybe, maybe, maybe you can make do with that. But don't hesitate to rent a truck when you need one. Don't hesitate to, to you know, pay the money to have someone with a dump truck bring you loads of compost for whatever you do. Don't think to yourself, well, I know, I'll just put some Rubbermaid bins in the back of my station wagon and, and drive back and forth getting amendments or whatever. Just... Um, you know, don't, don't nickel and dime on things like, like renting a larger vehicle to, to bring in your amendments, but, but yeah, so, so vehicle, if you have a pickup truck, you're, you know, you're ahead of the game. Um, so well, I'll leave vehicle out of it for now. Mm -hmm. Um, but really like on an, on an acre, you don't need, I don't know, maybe, maybe a thousand bucks for some irrigation to get started. Maybe, uh. Ooh, I don't know about how much deer fencing would cost for an acre but but price out your price out your irrigation price out your deer fencing absolutely sense before you before you plant a single seed um and then cuz you know what here I'll just probably a, ro- a roto- rototiller and yeah
0: I'll just interject and say I, one reason I'm asking Heather, is my own sense from my own experience is that that Vanessa and I underinvested by a, a lot when we started because we were so oh, okay. we were so scared of taking on debt without a proven, you know, success or business model or anything. And I regret Mm -hmm. that greatly because the amount of efficiency we lost by not investing in good irrigation, by not investing in, you know, the right kind of soil working tools. I mean, the first year we were hand Mm -hmm. building most beds. I mean, it just, we were, it was, we were so inefficient. And I guess the point I like to make, and I'm wondering what you think is just that, that I, I tell, I mean, I think it's really important to figure out where the sources of inefficiency might be and then do not hesitate to spend money to avoid those inefficiencies.
1: Yes, absolutely. But I would I would temper that a bit by saying, but you sure don't want to buy a tractor and then figure out you've got the wrong, you know, that that actually you want to make your beds wider or narrower or different or whatever. So, so I'd say yes, but, but maybe invest some of that money in your first year in in renting or hiring other people to do work for you, like, um,
0: I but uh, there, yeah, you, hire but there some, you
1: hire someone else, hire someone else to do tractor work for you until you're sure what kind of tractor you want. Uh, but 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 buy a tiller. You know, don't 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 baw- Don't think you're gonna hand dig all your beds um, right
0: and that no yeah. i think that's good advice i think that's a really good point that that it's not until two or three years in you really start to figure out the model that you want to follow and how you lay out your garden and stuff mm. but uh but but I, I think that still speaks to what i was getting at which is just don't be afraid to spend that money to to hire someone else to do to, to come in and, and turn some soil Absolutely. and that sort of thing
1: and and the other thing is the other thing that i think that a lot of us have struggled with is especially if brand new people who who came into it without background not without growing up on farms is that the you know the fear of feeling stupid I think I think a lot of times that you know held me back sometimes from hiring services that I really could have needed partly maybe because I didn't know those services existed but also partly because I kind of thought that that the I don't know the excavator driver would laugh at me because I was a 25 year old girl who didn't know what the hell she was doing you know and that's okay like now I'm like, who cares if I look stupid? I don't, I don't care at all. And, and you know what? No, nobody who you're hiring is going to laugh at you. It's like, you're hiring them. That's, that's what they're there for. That's what they're there for, you know? And they, of course, they have expertise and they will, if you, if you hire someone with expertise and ask some questions, they're going to, they're going to enjoy working with you. They're going to, they're going to enjoy imparting their knowledge, so so but, you know, don't be shy about that. I think
0: you're right. The majority won't laugh at you, but I think you, <laughs> when you're coming from the non-farming background, I think it's inevitable you will get laughed at a bit by certain people, and I think you just really need to you oh, need yeah. to check your ego at the farm gate because you're going to eat a lot of crow in those early years. I think you know.
1: Yeah, but but I but I, I don't think it's like the, I don't think it's a trades. Like I don't think it's people you're hiring who are laughing at you. I think it's like. Your neighbor is probably laughing. Your neighbor laughing at you for not hiring help. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no yeah, kidding. You you are going to get laughed at, and 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 that's and that's okay. You know, laugh at yourself as well, and and that's okay.
0: Right. So that about does it for part one of my conversation with Heather Stretch. You can hear, you will hear more from Heather in an upcoming episode. And if you want to check out her book, I will remind you it's called All the Dirt, Reflections on Organic Farming, and it was co-written with farmers Rachel Fisher and Robin Tunnicliffe. Thanks a lot for listening, and I'll leave you with some nice outro music. Until next time,
2: everybody. Ark over there, there's a bird in the air And it's flying on south for the winter Oh, I bought a pair of boots to keep my feet dry Boy, it's gonna be a wet.